Hey, grab a seat. We've already been in prayer the whole time. Uh, grab your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 6. We are walking with the great I am. Uh, who we just sung about, we are there with him. Mark chapter 6. We're big about the Bible around here. If you're not used to bringing your Bible, I want to encourage you to do that. Grab one out of the seats if you don't have one with you. Uh, we're going to walk through it, not just refer to it, but dig into it and dive into it. And here we go. Uh, we are in Mark, the Gospel of Mark. It is to be amazed in how it's helping us to see Jesus. And we're at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. We're in the northern portion of Israel up by the Sea of Galilee area. Uh, Mark's been showing Jesus as just utterly amazing throughout. It's just like, bam, he's on the scene, all the players on the scene, and take a look at the great I am. That's really what's been going on so far. And out of all that, people are stunned, people are amazed, and also people are ticked has been what we've been seeing going on along with it as well. And Mark's focus so far really has been so much about the interactions of Jesus, the great I am with the masses, and, uh, and that involvement of what's what. But I think Mark 6 takes a bit of a turn here. It takes a bit of a turn from a focus on Jesus and his interactions with the masses, with people, and it moves into this unique focus here in chapter 6 of Jesus and his disciples. And it's just so important that we see this because the reality is Jesus is on a mission. I mean, and this mission is so purpose and so strategic. A lot of people think Jesus is just like this hippie dude walking along saying good things and making it up as he's going. But we're going to see today especially that that's not the case. He is not only on mission, but he's building a team that's on mission. And he still is. And I want for you to know, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you are redeemed in Christ, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is not just talking about the disciples back then. This is talking about God's people today and his church today. And the things out of this harvest, I just have to say, are so, so relevant to us. In fact, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus said, follow me to the disciples. And that's been happening if you were just to go back from chapter 1 through now, you would see that the disciples are just kind of like following him. <laughs> I mean, that's, they're watching, picking all this stuff up. But now all of a sudden something takes a turn. The, the call to follow him had a, also a, another call with it. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. That latter part is now getting started. He's been building a base for it, but now it's, it's up. Fishers of men. Let me read verses 7 through 13, chapter 6. You there? Well, let's do it. Verse 7, and he called the 12. Hey, 12! And he began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. Like that means no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on even two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. Verse 12, so they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. 
And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. By the way, look over to verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. That's coming in another week. God, I pray as we dig into this passage that we would see you greater and greater. We've just sung, man, just been led by people and by words that point us vertically to you and are pushing us to help us amongst all the things that we have in our world, the activities, the pressures, the stresses, the things of this world. They have all been pushing us to go vertical with you, to see you bigger and greater. You are the great I am. And that's not not just referring to the I am of the Old Testament with Moses. That's referring to the you today. You are the great I am of our health. You are the great I am of our wealth. You are the great I am of our time. You are the great I am of our purposes. And you are the great I am of our mission And I would just ask that we as a people on mission would see what you're doing here because we are on this page. And that's only because of the work of the great I am. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Well, let's look at this passage, these, these uh, seven verses here. So many things that are coming out of these verses. Uh, but the central point here is that the mission for these men, I would say, and us, uh, is stated here. And the mission includes being sent out. The mission includes being a people that are sent out. Look at verse 7. Let's walk through. And he called the 12. Hey, 12. And he began to send them out. Let's work this. Jesus here, uh, we're noted, he began something. Began. What does began mean? Well, it, it means it's starting. It's starting now. It means it's beginning. That means it hasn't happened before this. I could spend a lot of time talking about that because Jesus has been putting into these guys for some period of time now and he hasn't, if you will, sent them out before. He told them that he would, but now is when it starts. Phase two is now on the table. And phase two is beginning, it's starting. It's, it's by the way, it's began. It means it's not something done once. It's something that's beginning. It's, it's something that's to be ongoing. But here we see in the text of the disciples, it's, it's starting now. Uh, Jesus called them and, and he gave them something to begin with. And, and what was that? It says he sent them. It's like, hey, you guys, come here. Hey, guys, come here. Uh, now go. It's sent out. It's beyond them. Uh, the strategy is send out. The word here is, is in the Greek is Jesus apostolo. Well, what does that sound like? That sounds like apostle. But it's not a title here. It's a verb. It's not a noun. It's a verb. Apostolo means sent out. It means to go. It means to, to like leave here. I love you, but leave is the point of, and he's beginning this idea. It's not an office, it's a title here. Uh, it's, note, it's sending out. It's sending away. It's not bringing in. 
Let me pause on this for a minute here for a couple reasons. Number one, he's not saying, hey, guys, come here and just stay here. Like, stay in the fold. Stay tight together. Just you and me and and just us. It's not that. That's been part of it. But there's also a, I love you, but go. (laughs) Get out of here, if you will. Go. And we'll see all of what that entails here in just a minute. But it's a sending out. It's not a bringing in to huddle around. By the way, he's also, as we will be seeing here, he's not saying, hey, go out, get some people, and bring them back to me. He's not saying that. And I bring that up, I think, because a lot in our culture today, listen, the local church is a huge part, as we'll see here. The local church is a huge part and a huge tool of what's happening. The local church is about Ephesians 4, equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. We are a disciple-making church, first and foremost. Uh, Sundays are about equipping believers in Christ that you are more effective, not only with us as a local church, but out there. And there are times, there are wonderful moments where, where you have opportunities where you're actually excited about your church. I don't know, have you ever been in a situation where you're not so excited about your church? I have. And it's like, I don't necessarily want to bring people to that. Um, and yeah, when you're excited about it, it becomes a part of it. But hear me on this, Harvest. It's not just about bringing people here. That's not what sending out here is talking about. It, in the whole of it, that's part of it, but it's, but it's go out. God's put you in places and put you in jobs and put you in circles of influence and opportunities to be able to do ministry out there. And we're equipping here, we're equipping you to go out and do that. What my greatest joy in life would be, in the, even in this brand new building, is to have some Sunday where every door is torn off the hinges. Uh, and all the doors are out that way. And, and car doors are spread all over the parking lot. Because people are like, after being here together, reminded about the great I am. And reminded, even in, particularly in a, a text like today, of what the call for you and I includes. Not only being close together, not only being close to Christ, but going out. And we're ripping the doors off the hinges because we're so excited to get out there. That's with more, more, more doors in the, in the parking lot. <laughs> the parking crew's like, no! But that's the idea here. It's not bringing in. And by the way, it's not bring back. Uh, that's not, Jesus isn't saying don't ever do that. But I'm just saying here in the text, I think it's important to see that he's going sending them out. By the way, I also want to add into this sending out reality. He's not right at this point sending them to China. Or Russia, or Australia, or Maui, okay? That's not where it is. Actually, in the whole of it, Mark doesn't tell us the details of it, but clearly in the context and the other Gospels, when you pull this together, uh, Jesus is just beginning to send them out. And where in the beginning does he send them to? He sends them to his own people. To their own people in their own culture. Uh, Hear me. What we're talking about today is not a missionary only kind of passage. This is a all in Christ passage. Okay? So please don't leave here today going, that didn't have anything to do with me because I just don't see God like taking me over to Africa or to to Kentucky or, you know, somewhere. Uh, Just know this. That God has in all this, this is all of us are on the table. Start where you're at. 
Start where you're at. In fact, I'll just bring Mark 5, verse 19. Jesus tells to the formerly demon-possessed man that he tells them, uh, uh, hey, go home to your family and tell them what the Lord has done. Start there. Start there. The missions includes being sent out. Sent out. Follower of Christ, this is part of your mission call. This is part, did you know that? This is part of your mission call. Not only just to grow in your relationship with Christ, but to be sent out for Christ. And here we've got five things that I'm highlighting today that we're going to bring along. As we go out, uh, as a church, as individuals, uh, in, in our backyards, in our local areas, as we go out across the U.S., as we go out across the world. Five things, I think, that are a part of this we'll see out of the text of being sent out. Here we go. Number one, we're sent out as team. We are sent out as team. Verse seven, uh, he began sending them out. How many? Two by two. Uh, he didn't say, Andrew, you go there. Peter, you go there. John, you go there. Uh, and you go over there. No, there's, there's sending them out in teams two by two. Why did Jesus do this? Again, guys, you have to grab a hold of this. This is the first time he's sending them out. And this is so strategic because we are people of habit. And, and, and the first time is just a key time. And by the way, these are the 12 disciples. I mean, these are the guys that, that Jesus is investing his, his years with here. And the first time he sends them out, and he sends them out in pairs. And I just think when you look throughout scripture, uh, gospel ministry is not characterized by rogue ministry. It's just not characterized by loner ministry or solo ministry. And hear me, I am not talking about singles versus couples. That's not what I'm talking about here. But we do not see in scripture this idea of loner ministry, rogue ministry going on. Let me explain some of that. I'll start with the Godhead. Uh, the Godhead. <laughs> Trinity. That's a team, by the way. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. All equal in their person, if you want to kind of call it that way, but yet all God. Explain it, Doug. I can't, but that's what the Bible says, so I'm there. Okay? And even God himself is a Trinitarian reality. And you never see the members of the Godhead off rogue doing their own thing. Like Jesus is like, hey, love you guys, but it's been like eternity past. That's been a long time. I'm yawning right now. I'm going to go down there and have a hangout for a while. Is that okay? No, I don't really want you to do that. Uh, second person of the Trinity, ah, bag it. I'm going anyway. You never see that kind of thing. And in fact, we saw in Mark chapter 1. What did we see? When Jesus is there at the baptism with John, God the Father says, I'm pleased with this. God the Spirit is there. I'm in on this. The Godhead is a team. And when we function as a team, we are just representing our Lord. Also, just consider the wisdom of team in Scripture. Here's some passages. Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two are better than one. They just are. Uh, two are better than one. Proverbs 27.17 is iron sharpens iron. So one man, one woman sharpens another. You can't sharpen yourself. It just doesn't work. Okay? It's other people together uh, sharpening ourselves. Deuteronomy 7, 6 and 2 Corinthians 13, 1. It says, uh, talks about how two witnesses are required to verify a, manner, uh, a matter. 
Um, and it's just this idea. There was a legal component that if one person, one person alone was not a viable witness, it always had to be at least two. Uh, just think of the epistles. Paul's always with someone. Paul's never like, I'm over here doing my own little gig. And uh, here's what I have to say. It's always Paul and we sought with Silas, with Timothy, with Titus, whatever it is going. Paul's always doing ministry with team. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 talks about how stand strong together like Roman soldiers in rank side by side. It's always together. Uh, There's the wisdom of scripture. Also consider ministry people in scripture. I would just say this. Genesis 1, team Adam and Eve. God could have created it any way he wanted. And yet he created them in team and gave the mission to them, not, not just to Adam alone, but to both of them. Uh, Elijah and Elisha, David and Jonathan, Barnabas and Paul, Paul and Timothy. And now here in Mark chapter 6, Jesus is sending out the disciples in, in pairs. But Doug, what about Abraham? What about Joseph, Noah, David? What about Jonah? Well, maybe not such a good example. Uh, what about Jeremiah? What about Jesus? Aren't they all on their own? No. Never. You just don't see them out rogue on their own thing. Even if that means that God is behind them in what's taking place. I would just argue that team is always behind them, is always with them, and always in front of them. Team is behind them from the, the they're, they're going out. And I just ask, is you go out, no, no, this is, we're talking this today. This is not a you go out by yourself. No, this, you, you need to go out with team behind you. A church family, your, your small group, uh, uh, people that are confirming and supporting and praying and, and providing you counsel and are pushing you out the door as well. Team behind you, team with you, uh, doing ministry, just, it's not to be done alone. It's just not. Here it's two by two. Uh, by the way, even the whole mindset of 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul watered, uh, Paul planted, Apollos watered. It's just this mindset that you and I are not doing our own thing. We, we are always to be a team in the thinking of it. Team in front of you. We never see scripture say, go out and build your own thing. It's always go out and build team. Bring them together. Uh, local churches. That's just, ugh. okay, got the point? Team. Team. Number two, sent out with authority. Also verse seven. Uh, he called the 12 and he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority and gave them authority. By the way, on kind of like the unclean spirits and then the verse 13 with all the cast out demon stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about that an, another Sunday, bringing all this in context. It's like, why don't we do that here? Okay, we'll talk about it another day. Let's just stay with the main guts of the passage. Uh, authority, sent out with authority. I think this is one of the most hope-filled things about this whole thing. Um, I'm just a regular guy. And Harvest, you know me, I've talked about it before. And by nature, I'm kind of timid by nature anyway within me. And there's this weird leader timid thing that just going on in it. And so, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily a super bold guy just by nature. I could be totally fine being second, third, fourth, or fifth in line. And yet one of the things that gives me the greatest hope of all is the fact that it's not about me. It's not about my skill. It's not about my wisdom. And it's the same for you. 
It's not about your skill. It's not about your wisdom. It's not whether you're a great orator or not. That's not the thing. Just know this. You are sent out with authority. Like, like what kind of authority? Well, well, let's take a look. Let's keep working. And by the way, in this, don't get arrogant about the authority. It's not like, I got authority. It's like, because here's the deal. It's not you. (laughs) Okay? You've been given authority. So don't get too arrogant about it. But actually, we get humble and encouraged about it. Here's what's going on. God expects us to do something. Here, Jesus sends his disciples out to do something. And the coolest thing is right after he says, do that, and I'm just wondering which ones of them would be maybe like me where they're like, no, really, because I'd really rather stay here, and I'd really rather stay behind you in your shadow, because like, you're awesome, and I'm not so. And this is a comfortable place to be here. And now you're asking me to go out? Wait a second. Time out. That's what would be going on for me in this. And yet right in that whole statement, he doesn't even let people like me be able to get that out on the table. He's like, listen, I'm sending you out two by two. That's encouraging. Um, because, and then it's like, I want to be with him. <laughs> Not Peter. I want to know, you know, with what's going on. But they send them out with authority. Hey, know this. You're going out with some authority. Really? Like, like what? Well, just know this. You're going out with authority. What God expects you to do, God equips you to do. God does not ask us to do anything without fully equipping us to do it. Matthew 20, 19 and 20. Just consider this. At the end of that, the Great Commission, go and make disciples... As we move along in that passage, Jesus says, Behold, I am with you always. There's the authority. That's the authority behind it. You and I are not going because we're awesome. We're going and knowing this. Jesus is with you and I always in what's going on. How encouraging is that? 2 Corinthians 5.20 talks about how we are ambassadors. We're representatives of Christ. Think of it an ambassador. Someone who's an ambassador comes out and it's like, hey, I'm an ambassador. And it's like, oh, you're awesome. No, no. The only power and authority he has is what's behind him. I mean, if he comes from like wimpy land and he's like, hey, I'm an ambassador of wimpy land, you're like, well, you're a wimpy ambassador, right? But the ambassador is only as much of an authority of an ambassador as what's backing the ambassador. And what's backing the ambassador is Jesus Christ. Also add to that, I love this verse, 2 Corinthians 3, 5. It says, we are not sufficient in ourselves, but our sufficiency is from the Lord who has made us sufficient to be ministers. Bam. Today, you may be sitting there and go, Doug, I am just not sufficient to be someone who's going out. Welcome to the team. And by the way, Jesus is like, duh, knew that. No, no, you and I are not going out because we're awesome. We're going out knowing he's awesome. And that's the strength behind it all. And I just think of Mark 5, 19 again. Jesus says, hey, just go tell them what the Lord has done for you. Just, just that. But, but I don't know how to answer all their questions. Just tell them what the Lord has done. 
But like the whole question of this and then the whole situation, what if they do this? And it's like, just tell them what the Lord has done. Let's just go with that first and hang there well. Because know this, Jesus is behind you. By the way, you have four things when you are in Christ. You have a redemption story. Tell that. Tell about how you've come to Christ and how Christ has changed your life. You have a redemption story. You have the Spirit of God. Scripture tells us that when you come to Jesus Christ, you are indwelt with the Spirit of God, sealed, stamped, held by Him. You also uh, have the Word of God. This isn't like Aesop's fables. This is the Word of God. Speak it. That's why we stay to it. You don't want to hear what I have to say. You want to hear what God has to say, right? And, and that's why we are a church that is here. We don't read a couple verses, close it, and then I talk. No, no, we're in this thing and we're expositing it. We're pulling it out because we have the power of the word of God. You have a redemption story. You have the spirit of God. You have the word of God. And I'll add one more. You have access to the father through Jesus Christ. Sweet. You have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. Friends, if you are brand new in the Lord or old in the Lord, you have all four of those. And you are fully equipped. Sent out as a team, sent out with authority. Number three, we are to be sent out lean. Uh, And I've got lean-minded, okay? Because if you're like, boy, I could go on a diet. Uh, uh, Yeah, I'm with you and I'm not there. Uh, we're not talking that. Let's, let's look at what's talking. Verses 8 through 10. And he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belt, but to wear sandals and to not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. Some cool things out of this. Number one is you're sent out on a journey. If you think of it that way, I think it just becomes fun. Hey, everybody, you're sent out on a journey, a journey, a journey. Awesome. Some of you are like, I'm not really too thrilled about journeys because I want to know everything. Hey, chill. <laughs> to all you control freaks. All right. Embrace the journey. It's a journey, friends. We are on a journey. And that means there's no formula to it. There's no formula. In fact, I wrestled with this. I talked with Karen about this. I'm like, I just want to give everybody like a one, two, three, what to do with this one. But it's not, it's a journey keeps coming back in my mind. There's no formulaic deal to it. And also because all aspects are unknown. Journeys contain unknown. And sometimes they are nervous and sometimes they are risky. Hey, that's a journey. Journey it. Let's just do that. Uh, It's a journey only when you think it's a journey. Because when you're doing it, Sometimes it doesn't feel so fun. Just think of it as a journey. I'm on a journey, you guys. That's what's going on. We're all together. Also, I want to note out of this. Jesus is talking about physical things. You see that? Like, go ahead, take a staff, uh, some clothes and some shoes. Do that. But then Jesus says, don't take some of these things. Don't take a backpack with food, no backpack with money, and no extra underwear. That's really what's going on. Why is Jesus doing this? He's getting at their mind. There's no question about it. Again, this is the first time he sends them out. The very first time. And when you're doing that as a strategic leader, 
You know why you're doing certain things. And this just wasn't a willy-nilly thing that Jesus was doing. He's like, this is the first time I'm sending these guys out, so here's the deal. No money, no underwear, no, you know, okay? And it's like, whoa, that's kind of like bare. That's exactly it. What happens when you don't have a lot of physical things? I've had little, I've had much. I've known others who have had littler and others who have had muchier. And I'll just say this, physical things, when you have them, they do play on your mind. No question about it. And it can be wonderful. I mean, sometimes some of the things you can do that others can't do are just absolutely amazing. And I don't mean like travel. I mean just like some of the things you can do in ministry and some of the things that can happen for Christ are just unbelievable. And it's really cool. But here in this whole thing, when you have stuff, I will just tell you, having lived there and having lived with people who, who have been there and known people and talked with people, there is one thing about physical things. When you get on physical things, you don't need to depend upon the Lord quite as much. Now, you have to depend upon the Lord with things, and I'm not taking that away, but I'm just telling you, after been through the cycle of some things, it just is true. And others attest to that. And so it's not about not having things. That's not what Jesus is doing. But God uses physical things to teach us spiritual truths. And that's what's going on here. The Lord is pulling back physical things to, to be like, seriously? Like, I can't bring my Spider-Man underwear? I mean, I can't bring some cash? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Ooh. Okay. That changes the journey, doesn't it? It just really does. If they cannot trust God for physical stuff, how will they ever trust the Lord to do spiritual stuff? And I want to be very clear on this. This is not saying that ministry is monkism. This is not saying ministry is asceticism. Okay? Um, there's just all kinds of passages in Scripture that, that, that talk about Jesus is doing this, this. You don't see him doing this in other times. But he is this time. Don't make this the way for all times. It's not intended to be it. It's narrative. It happened there that way. Uh, Jesus talks to them about where to stay. You see in verse 10, it says, when you go to the city, the first house that's opened up to you, stay there. And stay there for the whole time. Why would he do that? Um, the text doesn't tell us here, but I think there's some practical realities here. One, because of just the potential personal uh, temptation to move up. I mean, what if you go into a town and the first open house is, let's call it the Motel 6, and then all of a sudden J.W. Marriott comes available? What are you thinking? And Jesus, no, no, stay at the Motel 6, if that's what comes your way. Stay there. Hang there. Um, uh, By the way, because if you move, there's a real potential just to dishonor the person who's made their place available. And it just shows that you're not about being with them. You're about being pampered. And I think this is just huge lessons. Instead, you're to be live among the people like Jesus did before him. It's like do life among the people with them. Be grateful for what it is. 
It's not about stuff. Just it's all about living in community. And whether it's a nice place or you're sleeping on dirt, hang there, love it. It's a journey. And it's a journey with people. And the people are the bigger part of it all. Practical takeaway. Number one, expect hospital or accept hospitality. I just want to encourage you, accept hospitality. When people want to love on you and do something for you, if you're sick or you know you just had a baby or something's going on and people want to do something for you, I just let them. Just let them. And, and, and let them love on you. Let them love on you where they're at. Also, I'll say this. In giving hospitality, give to show your gratitude, not your social standing. Give just to show your gratitude. And sometimes that can be actually excessive. You're just pouring on in love for them. It's not about the stuff. It's not about how much. Don't get into comparative world. Just show your gratitude to them. Some of the sweetest moments I know I've had in my life have been to people in other countries who have nothing. And they give something and you are stunned. With this whole building, the most beautiful $1,000 gift that was ever given was from Haiti. From the church in Haiti that gave us $1,000 for this building because they wanted us to have a building. They couldn't believe we didn't have a building. Sweet. Just a couple other things. Full-time ministry, it's not a money industry. It's just not. That's not what it's about. If you're thinking about full-time ministry and I'm talking in that capacity right now, it's not about money. You may look on TV and it may look like it is, but hear me, it's not. Don't send in your seed faith gift. But ministry does require finances. It just absolutely does. And we've been blessed by a church of people who have given faithfully and joyfully. And that's why we clap at times when we do giving. Just to remind us that that this is a a worship thing that we do. Um, Are you giving in a planned purpose way to where your church home is? If it's here, are you? If not, I encourage you to. Why? Not for me, but for this people. If wherever your church home is, you should be giving purposefully and planned. You should be. I just want to let you know quickly as well, just even as pastoral staff, we're not in this for money. I promise you we're not. But at the same time, we're, we're paid fine. And in fact, in that whole thing, just so you're aware, our whole compensation program is set to a national standard. Christianity Today has this incredible uh, every year research on on what ministry is paid, literally hundreds of pages of research that comes out of it. And and we base all of that, our our salaries off of that. I just want to be accountable and so that you know. Because what do you pay ministry people? Well, we need to be accountable and we need to be wise with that. And plus, Scripture talks about uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 1 Timothy 5, don't muzzle the ox. <laughs> we're, le- we're oxes. That's cool. In other words, just don't make money struggles hinder them from doing the ministry and whole idea of you know, giving leaders proper honor. There's a reality there. By the way, I'm just going to toss this in and we're going to move on to number four. I wonder what Judas was thinking. Hmm. I wonder how the trip went for Judas. 
sent out lean ministry. Just go out lean. Why? Because know this. You have the authority of the Lord behind you. That's really all we need. Let's just go and let's just do that. Okay, point number four. Sent out after red apples. Not following red apples, but going after red apples. Uh, red apples. There, there are green apple people and red apple people as we talk about around here. Uh, green apple people. Uh, expect them. Uh, that's people they are not ready for picking. They're, they're not ready to be harvested for the Lord. And, and the, Jesus has already come across a whole bunch of green apples. I mean, there have been green apples all over the place from Mark chapter 1 all the way through Mark chapter 6, even out of his hometown. Even in chapter 5, when the, when the people said, hey, uh, after the million dollars jumped off the cliff, and the people were like, hey, leave. And then back before the scribes and the Pharisees, yeah, they weren't too hot on Jesus. Uh, green apples. And there are green apples. Expect them. Know that's the case. And the text talks about here, I'm going to move quickly, talks about shaking the dust off. Uh, understand, that was not intended to be any kind of rude type of a thing. It was not like they're there and, and they, because you come and, and you've told the gospel and they've just shut you out and you're not like out on the edge of town and you're like, watch this, you... It's no bad attitude. That was not what was meant by that. It, it was a symbolic gesture that was done actually out of care and concern. It was kind of this idea of some judgment is being clearly given. Judgment has been made. And it's like this kicking off the, the dirt off of their sandals. And there is a judgment being posed. But it's a sadness to it. It's not a, you're buffoons. It's please, please. You, you have to see that something serious has now uh, been done to you in your response. Boy, this sounds like soil number one out of Mark chapter four, doesn't it? So does. That set up so much of what Jesus does after this. So, so hear, hear me on this. With green apple people, as you go out and you have people that are just kind of hard to the gospel, know this. In wisdom, there are times that you just need to pull back and you need to pray. Just pray. Love on them, be available to them. Don't be rude to them, don't be mean to them, don't put up a billboard along the highway saying repent or go to hell. Oh, yay, yay. That helps. Um, instead, in care and concern, it's like, Lord, you've called us to plant and you've called us to water. But you give the growth. Maybe you have a child that's in that place. Can I just encourage you to pray? Maybe even hold back on the preaching and just pray. But also go out looking for red apples. People that are hungry for the gospel, that are going to hear it. Those are the ones that we're going to pick. We're not ignoring the others, but we're going for them because the Lord has worked in them and they're ready for ripe. They're ready to be picked. And Jesus has seen red apples. I mean, Mark chapter 5, the demon possessed man, can I follow you? No, 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 go home. Tell your family what the Lord has done. I mean, the woman with the health problem. Uh, Jairus' daughter raised from the dead and, and people following all over the place in, in these chapters we're seeing that happen. 
Oh, there are red apples, you guys. And that's soil four. Look for them. But understand also, as we went back, if you weren't here, going back to soils two and three, watch out for two and three. But we're building soils for people that come to Christ, drive the stake in the ground with Christ, who receive the Lord, the soil, we're the soil, and the seed comes in, and we receive it, and everything that we are goes into the seed, and its roots begin to permeate over time, every area of our life, and fruit is produced out of it. We want those kind of people, loving everyone, proclaiming to everyone, but ultimately we're looking for the people that are ripe in the Lord. I just want to say, if you're like, Doug, 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 I've heard about God, I've heard about the Bible, I've heard about Jesus Christ and all this, and I just want more, and I'm not quite sure what to do. Hey, come and talk. If someone brought you, talk with them. Come and talk with us. Man, I'm telling you, you want to come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and let's get on with the program. Because there's nothing sweeter. Nothing sweeter, nothing better. And let's finish with this. I sent out as a team, sent out with authority, sent out lean, lean-minded, sent out after red apples, And fifth, sent out to proclaim. So important. Because by the way, you can do everything else before this without saying a word. But notice Jesus, verse 12 and 13. So they went out and proclaimed. They announced. Uh, They said, proclaim. It has, the word has a sense of publicness to it. It, it, It's not, they, they didn't draw pictures. Uh, they, they said out of their mouth, they spoke, they taught, they interacted with people. They proclaimed that people should what? Repent. Every version has that word. You just can't get around it, even though we want to soften it today. Uh, let's talk a couple things with this. Uh, there's an aspect of publicness. Speak out. Listen, you are sent, I am sent out to speak. To speak. Um, well, let's see, uh, uh, is the message love and human harmony? Is, is the message that you need to love yourself more? Is the message that we need to save the planet? Oh, now I'm getting in deep waters here. Is the message political peace and social justice? Man, I'm all about harmony. I can't sing it, but human harmony is great. Uh, not about loving yourself more. That's our problem. Save the planet. Sure, whatever. Okay, I just shouldn't have said that. Uh, political peace, that'd be awesome. Social justice, sure, that'd be awesome. Uh, or maybe it's about health and wealth. Come to Jesus and that's where all the health and wealth is. That's what we need to proclaim. Here's, it's one word. Proclaim that people need to repent. <laughs> that is just not a word that's really loved nowadays, is it? In fact, you watch TV, you, 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 you go to a lot of churches, you need to ask yourself, what are they proclaiming? Hey, we're not a fire and brimstone kind of a church, but I do want for you to know this. You will hear us call people to repent. Repent. By the way, repent is not just some outward religious thing. It's, Jesus didn't say, get baptized, and that's repentance. No, no, repent and be baptized. By the way, repent is not just raising your hand or coming forward or repeating some words. 
stepped into some tight territory there again. But I'm just telling you, friends, even Billy Graham was scared to death of people coming forward if you read about him. And that's why he talked with Dawson Trotman about how do we get this. We have too many people that are coming forward and are not understanding what they're really doing. Repent. Repent comes out of the Old Testament. It's about seeing your utter depravity before God. It's realizing you cannot earn your way to God. If you were to die today and stand before God and he were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Well, I really tried. I I, I wasn't a mass murderer. I was better than probably 50% of the people. Just know this, that doesn't cut it. You are without hope and without truth. Instead, you need to Repent. You need to see that the scripture says that we're a sinner before a holy God. There is no matter or amount of good works that you could ever do to make up for the fact that you and I are sinners before a holy God. And the scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. That's me, that's you. And yet the scripture also says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. By the way, God sent. Sent his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him, by the way, believe. It's not this fakey little wimpy belief, I believe. But Jesus gets into it. He's like, listen, if you want to follow me, you give up everything you are. That's what we're talking about here. It's repent. It's this repent. The Greek word means literally to change your mind about. I'm good with God. And it's like I'm realizing I'm not good with the Lord. I need to repent of my sin and receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. That's why Jesus says repent in the New Testament. You can picture of it. Jesus saying follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Are you in on that or not? As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And this is the testimony that God has given eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in a repent kind of a way that you may know that you have eternal life. If you're wondering, it's time to move to know. It's time to drive the stake in the ground with Jesus Christ. By the way, that's what we're proclaiming. You guys, we're proclaiming it in love. We're not proclaiming it in a rude way, in a harsh way, but with love and care and compassion. Are you? Are you? If so, oh, keep going. Keep going. Keep going as team. Keep going with the authority of the Lord. Go lean. Just go lean because it's all about Jesus doing the work. It's not about how awesome you are. Go looking for red apples. Pray for green. But go, let's go harvest red apples. Keep proclaiming. And if not, it's time. I just want to encourage you to start at home.
Are you talking about the Lord at home? Start there. Start there. Start there with your spouse if you're married. If you have children, start talking with them about what the Lord has done. And move on from there. Just take opportunities. Listen, it's not about me, Lord, anymore. It's not about my skill. It's not about my wisdom. It's not about my capacity. It's all about you, Lord. Just help me to be bold. Help me to get out there and just help me to speak. Maybe you need to talk to your small group and have them be praying for you that they would kind of send you out with team. You're going with the authority of the Lord. And just go lean. Don't bulk up on every answer. Just go proclaim what the Lord has done. Lord, I'm going to leave it there. It's, uh, it's your call. It's, it's, it's your uh, word. It's your truth. It's all about you. And yet, Lord, in it all, we are a feeble people. And you know it's hard for us at times. But God, I pray for that balance of that boldness and also that humility. Lord, I don't know who is on people's minds right now, but I pray someone would be. Someone in their family, someone in a friend, someone at work, someone at school, someone in their neighborhood. And Lord, right now, I would ask that they would just hand them over to you. And they would enter into a journey going after them. Boldness with authority is team. Can't do this alone. And you know that. So you've called us to be together. And we are here. And we are walking out these doors for this week with a decision. What are we going to do with this? This week. Lord, I love these people. They're such an encouragement to me. I pray that we would be an encouragement to one another. Oh God, in our feebleness, may we speak you. May we proclaim you. And God, when we have that opportunity for those red apple people, may we call them to repent fall before the king of creation and to come into relationship with you fully forgiven, fully redeemed, fully renewed, a whole new creature and that they would not just follow you but would be sent out. God, I pray for spiritual children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren More, more, Lord, help us. Help us to harvest more for your glory and your fame. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray.